Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I am a wife, a mom, and I have been practicing the art of home for 30 years. If you're new here, welcome. Here at the Art of Home, we are all about encouraging and inspiring you to practice the occupation of homemaking as an art with confidence, skill, joy, and creativity. With confidence, not in your ability to be the perfect homemaker, the perfect mom, have the perfect house, have perfect kids, perfect marriage, etc., but confidence that this is a legitimate way to spend your time and that your identity is not in how well you perform in your role as a homemaker, but it is in Christ who has called you to and will equip you for this work. When we look at homemaking through that lens, we can be confident that He will give us the skill and the joy and the creativity we need to accomplish the work in our unique individual homes in a way that pleases Him and benefits others. We talk quite a lot about this concept in today's homemaker portrait of Leslie Licato. With 10 years of marriage under her belt and three little girls under her feet, Leslie is definitely in the trenches as a homemaker, and she is not afraid to get real with us about what God is teaching her and changing in her during this very busy, challenging stage of life. Before we get into the interview, I do want to thank you all for rating and reviewing the show. It means so much to hear your feedback, and it also helps other homemakers decide if this show is a good fit for them and a valuable use of their time. We think it is, but it's always helpful to hear honest reviews from other listeners. Think of it like an Amazon review of a product. How many of us check the review before purchasing something? I know I do. And while I take some of those reviews with a grain of salt because there are trolls on the internet. There is something to the persuasive power of honest customer reviews. You can leave us a review by clicking the link in the show notes below. One more thing before I start the interview, Leslie's one-year-old daughter was with her sweet and very patient babysitter in the next room. Usually she loves hanging out with her babysitter when mom is not there, but her little baby senses told her that mama was right in the next room and she got a little upset. So you might hear crying in the background at a few points in the interview. But hey, this is real homemaker life, friends. I know you're going to enjoy this super rich conversation. I will be back at the end of the episode to share a few of my thoughts and give you a little sneak preview of what is coming in season seven of the Art of Home podcast. So whether you are picking up your groceries or preparing dinner, I know you will enjoy Leslie's story of home. I'm here with my friend Leslie Licato, and we are going to talk about her homemaking story as an in-the-trenches mama. Um, But before we go back to the beginning of your story, Leslie, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. I um, was born and raised in Houston. We lived there and thought we would live there our entire life. And then the Lord um, shifted our plans a couple years ago, and we moved out to San Antonio, which we are loving. Um, I live here with my husband and our three girls. They are seven, five, and one. Um, So life is fun and crazy and busy, and we love it. Um, 
I before pre kids, I worked in the ministry um, when we were in Houston, and I went. I got my seminary degree in. I have my master's in biblical and theological studies. Um, I have a passion for food and cooking and eating and healthy living. And the Lord has been so kind to weave my passion for scripture and my passion for food um, together and somehow to raise three girls. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we have the food, the love of food in common. And I know we're going to talk more about that later because we both have faced some similar challenges with regard to food in our families. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Yes. So when did you first become a homemaker and did you bring any skills with you into this <laughs> role? Um, I So we've been married for 10 years mm-hmm. um, this April, which is... Congratulations. Kind of mind-blowing to yeah. me. Thank you. It feels when we first got married, it was... Like we knew people who had been married for 10 years, and I was like, that's a long time, and now we're there. (laughs) Um, So I guess I would start my homemaker journey at that, Um, and our oldest is seven, so I feel like I had three years of non-kid homemaking, and then it all kind of shifted seven years ago. Yes, it does shift majorly when you bring kids into the picture. So did you have skills when you first got married? So I have always loved food food. Um, yeah. So one of my memories with my family and at my home is baking and cooking with my mom. And so I feel like in terms of skills of bringing into homemaking, that is, I've always enjoyed baking and cooking. So you were pretty comfortable in the kitchen already? Yes. Okay. Did you have siblings growing up? I did. We had four. Well, there's four of us. There's four. Where are you in the birth order? Um, so I have an older sister, older brother, then it's me, and then a younger brother. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So did you, I mean... You're kind of in the middle, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had an older sister, so did you have much responsibility in the home as far as like laundry and cleaning and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, up? we. I very vividly remember Saturdays being mm-hmm. like chore day, mm-hmm. and it was we if we weren't up already. My dad would make sure we were up and awake, and um, I was usually able to somehow kind of sneak my way out of doing yard work, and I would mm-hmm. help my mom inside. Um, some some Saturdays we'd all be out pulling weeds and yeah. doing stuff in the house, but yeah. Okay, cool. Well, what was the hardest thing for you to learn as a as a new wife with this new role of keeping your own home? Sometimes we have a steeper learning curve for some things versus other things. Was there anything like that for you that was a real steep learning curve? I mean, I still can't really do laundry very well. <laughs> like the art of laundry, I don't know. I just can never finish it. I can never have it all completed. Well, I feel like my clothes are faded all the time. <laughs> you do have three kids, so I'm going to give you that. I don't think you're ever done with laundry when yeah. you have three young kids. Yeah, well, that would be... That's, it's, it's it's just looming over me at all times. So it's a skill that I have surrendered to probably never doing very well. <laughs> I mean, and my husband makes fun of me, but there's always a shirt that we have to throw away because some stain from the washer, it was fine when it went in, and then when it came out, <laughs> it, it was, was dirtier. <laughs> it was dirtier when it came out than yes. it was when it went in. So it's, hmm. it's not my best skill. Okay. Maybe you have gremlins in your washer Maybe or something. Do, you know... <laughs> That's good that we uh, recognize our limitations, right? (laughs) Okay, let's talk about expectations a little bit. So what are some things that surprised you about homemaking, either good or bad, something that you didn't expect? Um, So I think 
it's it's never finished. Yeah. Ever. And I have a very achiever personality mm. and I like to set a goal and make a task do the to-do list and all of the things mm-hmm. and and homemaking is not that. Mm-hmm. Um and the Lord has used that in a very sanctifying way for me because it is constantly causing me to lay down myself, lay down my expectations, be okay with living in the the messy and the mundane and the incomplete and that's really hard. Yeah. But it's also really good because it takes it all away from me That's <laughs> and true. anything I can do or accomplish, which is a constant reminder and, and lesson I'm having to work through and learn between me and the Lord. Yeah. And He uses this calling for me as a homemaker, which I never thought I would fully do as literally a daily reminder of laying down myself and mm-hmm. just allowing Him to to meet me where I'm at. Yeah, that's really good. So... It sounds like that's the expectation that you had to let go of. Mm, mm-hmm. It's just not being, it's just not ever going to be finished, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Yeah, that's great. Well, how about parenting? How did bringing children into the mix challenge and enrich your homemaking? <laughs> well, it, I think it just kind of magnified the my previous answer yeah. that it's not about me. Um, and that ultimately, everything I'm doing is in full surrender and open hands before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that I I want to perfect it. I want to control it. I want to do it well. I want to complete it. But even in parenting and teaching lessons and all the things, it's not like other than, you know, potty training and a couple of small things, I can yeah. check it off the list. But right. for the most part, there's nothing I can check off the list. And there's nothing that I can really at the end of the day say, well, that's done. I don't have to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and for a personality like mine who is very goal-oriented and achiever, mm-hmm. that is it's a wrestle between me and the Lord. It's not something I can just lay down and mm-hmm. forget about. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I think bringing kids in adds on to the not only am I experiencing that in my home, but I'm also experiencing it in relationship with my kids and surrendering that I can only do so much, and the Lord is going to meet them where they're at, just like He's meeting me yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. Have you been able to invite your kids into, they're still, I mean, they're seven, five, and one, but maybe the seven-year-old and the five-year-old. How, how have you invited them into helping and partaking in the art of home with you? Yeah, that's something we're really kind of trying to figure out a good rhythm for right now, because they're getting to be old enough to kind of have some of that more responsibility, but they also, you know, I, I, I really want them to be kids too. So it's that fine balance. Mm -hmm. Um, but we definitely do have responsibility and expectations. And, um, luckily that they're still at the age where they think some chores are fun. And Mm -hmm. so I just allow them to, for the most part, do what's fun and have fun with it. And, um, what do they most enjoy? What's a chore that they really they enjoy? They love vacuuming. Oh. Yes, and folding laundry. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, you find joy in this, do it. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so I invite them in that way. But then I also, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but I, I have to keep it real. Yeah. That, you know, there's times that stuff just has to get done. Mm-hmm. And so we really are working through that right now of responsibility and cleaning up after yourself. And, right. Um, 
you know, things just have to get done and mom has to do it or you have to help mom. And so that's one way. Um, I think it's interesting how it crosses over into the area of discipline. And I mean that in the sense of the word of you're teaching them to be disciplined. Right themselves mm-hmm. by cleaning up after themselves and by, you know, considering others and maybe even serving others as they, you know, help take care of the home. Um, it's not so much just teaching them to do chores. It's actually helping to shape and mold them as little yes. people. Yeah, exactly. Um, a phrase that we kind of use a lot is that God has given us these hands to help others, but we have to help in our home first. Mm. Um, and that this is a place that we help and we serve and we love. And it is just as important as helping and serving and loving outside of the home. And that's yeah. a hard, I mean, that's a lesson I'm learning myself yeah. at 32 years old. And so it's it's an interesting and hard lesson to learn. And so it's speaking it over them is also the Lord using it in my life as well. And so it's been cool to kind of grow in that together. I love that. I love that phrase because we often think that the serving the Lord happens out there you know, we have to go out there to do it in mm-hmm. um, helping others, but we can start, it really starts in our own homes. Right. And that's what we're doing as homemakers every day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk a little bit about priorities. So what are some practical steps that you're taking to set your priorities and to keep your priorities straight as far as the order that we need to be doing things? Yeah. So something I'm trying, that we are trying to implement is and it's very simple, but just this idea of non-negotiables mm. and setting some non-negotiables mm-hmm. within our family, um, non-negotiables within our marriage, non-negotiables within our kids, and not trying to tackle all of them at once, mm-hmm. but um, creating this essentially list of of things that are absolute non-negotiables. And if anything, you know, comes ahead and and. If anything merges with that or messes with that, then yeah. it forces us to kind of stop and have a conversation and figure out, well, this is non-negotiable because of uh-huh. a certain reason and we can't move forward. Or Can you give me an example of like a non-negotiable? Uh, some examples of those would be like going to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, after COVID and the pandemic, we realized how easy it was to, oh, yeah. to not because <laughs> we had other options. Um, you know, but our desires that our kids are mm-hmm. in church and hearing and experiencing the word from outside of just the home. And um, so going to church on Sundays, eating meals together at night, that is a non-negotiable for us. Um, obviously, it doesn't happen every single night, but more nights during the week than not, we sit down at the table mm-hmm. and have a meal together. Um, things like that that just really kind of shape our family and our time. And my husband and I have realized how important um, quality time is for us and how easy it is to lose our sense of communication if we are not getting that quality time. And yeah. so just prioritizing a night a week to where there's no distractions and... um you know, some other ones would be my personal health is something that I have to have very hard line non-negotiables on. Yeah. Things that I can eat and I can eat. And so those are simpler examples of there's an actual list of things that I cannot partake in mm-hmm. and activities that we can't do because of it or foods that I can't eat. Yeah. Um, and so some of them are very small, simple lists, and some of them are bigger schedule things. But mm-hmm. um, having those in line and those in place just 
prioritizes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or it, it keeps, it gives us the opportunity to dictate our schedule and our time in our home instead of it being dictated by others' schedules or sports yeah. or opinions or <laughs> travel or any of anything like that. Sure. I can see how it, it gives you a framework mm-hmm. from which you can then build uh, your schedules and your and your other priorities. Right. That's really great. Well, thanks for sharing those. So how do you maintain a healthy relationship with social media? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I love asking this question to your generation because yes. this has been a part of your life like for probably for a really long time, right? Did you yeah. pretty much grow up? And Well, I didn't have social media until <clears throat> high school, well, high school, college-ish. Okay. Ish. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Because um, you also have a business, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, right. But that makes that brings in a whole other level of complication. Exactly. <laughs> and so that is what makes it hard is because I don't love social media. Mm. <laughs> um, I think a lot of good can be done in it, and I think it is a, a great outlet and creative place, but if used correctly. Right. Um, but there is a struggle with sometimes it would be easier to just set it down and focus on anything other than that outside <laughs> influence and world and noise. And especially being a mom of young kids, I feel like my life is very noisy. Yeah. To filter that noise out, it's it's needed. Um so yes, I use it as a business. And so because of that, I've had to create some very set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm much better at it than others. But it it really just means recognizing uh, sections of our day where I need to be fully present. Um, and usually that's before about 9 or 10 a.m. And I can't, I just cannot even touch my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like 3 to evening time. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I have to physically put my phone in the bathroom or somewhere else yeah. um, because if it's around, then it's a it's an easy escape, which is, I think, what's so dangerous about it. Because if, <clears throat> I mean, if the kids are, if they're extra whiny or having a hard time or I'm frustrated or flustered, then it has this weird power of I can just pick it up and I can escape. And yeah out of what I'm experiencing. And that I think is one small reason is why motherhood and homemaking is so sanctifying for me because I have to lean into the uncontrolled, uncomfortable mm-hmm. moments. And so in regards to social media, for me, it is, it's not even an option yeah. in those times. And so just having set times where I turn it off. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, try to be very good about, I don't like my kids to see me on my phone. Mm. Um, And I know that's not always realistic, but especially because I do use it as a business, um, I tend to be on it a little bit more, but I don't want them to ever feel less important than, than what it is. And so if I do have to be on it around them or when they're there, then I'm, I try to be very intentional about letting them know what I'm doing or why I'm on it and that I'm not just ignoring whatever they need, mm-hmm. um, but that it actually is important and mom has some work that she has to do for a minute and then I'll put it down and be fully present. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Do you have a plan yet as far as how you're going to let... Do you have all girls? I do. Yeah, three girls. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious if you've thought about how you're going to let them interact um, 
with just media in general, have you and your husband talked about sort of what your policy is about media with your kids? And- it's an ongoing conversation with us. Um, and I think, think well, thankfully, we still have some time. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes it kind of hard, too, because I just have no idea where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, right. My tendency and personality is very black and white. So it's easy for me to say you will never touch anything in regards to social media. <laughs> <laughs> or a phone or, you know, anything. Um, but thankfully, my husband is like, they're going to need that in their world to survive. <laughs> because it is as it's the culture that they're yeah. growing up in. And I want them to have a healthy relationship and no boundaries and know the good and bad sides of different yeah. things and not just to exclude out of my own fear. Um, but I don't know what that looks like yet. Mm-hmm. Um and mm-hmm. I think it will probably just depend on where it is at the time, right. different personalities, and um, just kind of as our family morphs into that season. Yeah. I love that you said the word fear. Like you don't, we don't want to be motivated by fear. It's so easy right. to. Yes. It's an easy trap to fall into. So it's great that you're that you're thinking about that. Well, let's move into talking about temptations and, and challenges in homemaking. And I'm going to give you some options and you tell me which one of these you struggle with the most. Okay. okay? Um, a, comparison to other women or homemakers. B, I am just a homemaker. I'm not getting paid. So this is not real work. It's not a real job. Or C, superwoman trying to do all the things. Mm. I would say it's a combination of B and C. Okay. Probably. So I think... Homemaking for me in the the early years of motherhood, I really fought it mm. with with the Lord. A lot of pushback. Um, I had just graduated from seminary. I, you know, had in my mind this plan how things would go, and then He called me home. <laughs> I was like, okay, so like, what what are we doing here? Um, and so I don't think I ever have pictured it as not a real job. I know that it is a real job plus some. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I thought I would be doing. Mm. Um, and so in regards to just a homemaker, I think it it has been a lie that I've believed, like, oh, I'm just a homemaker. Yeah, It's a job. It's just not the job that I thought I would be doing. Um, and then because of that, I try to o- overcorrect by doing all of the things mm. to make myself feel accomplished and achieved. And yeah. I've checked that because homemaking doesn't have a to-do list. Yeah. I've, I try to do all of the other things to, to satisfy that longing. Mm-hmm. Um, when ultimately he seemingly crushes them all and reminds me <laughs> <laughs> that my, my worth, um, and my joy and satisfaction is found in him. Mm-hmm. And that this, that homemaking is the highest and the deepest calling that he has called me to. And I praise the Lord over the years have shifted the the wrestling and fighting of that and kind of fallen into it in a way that I love it. That's great. Yeah. Cool. What's a particular challenge that you faced in your homemaking? And how are you working through that challenge to grow and adapt? And what's God showing you? So when we first got married, we had been married... Oh, not even a year. Mm-hmm. I um, began having just health issues, lots of gastro, stomach issues, um, lots of pain, just things that nobody could really 
figure out, went to different doctors, was told that I was fine. It was all in my head, you know, just lots of back and forth. Mm. Um, And then over a series of three years, I found myself in the hospital for about a week at a time, probably a total of seven or eight times. Uh, And nobody could figure out what it was. I had a couple different surgeries. I had my appendix out. I had my gallbladder out. You know, I had a few different things done. I had pancreatitis and all of the things that just just constant one after another, but constant doctors telling me, you're fine. Mm. There's nothing wrong. I'm like, well, I wouldn't be in the hospital if there's nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, where's where's the mix up here? Um, that season was incredibly difficult um, because we couldn't figure it out. I never knew when it would hit. I It was very frustrating as newlyweds to not feel good and sure. then be hit with all of these medical bills and all of the things. And so that kind of morphed into a season where we um, began to just look at health a different way. Um, I saw some different doctors and really learned about the importance of not just fixing what was going on, but really getting to the root cause of it. And um, at that point, I was diagnosed with celiac, which is an autoimmune Mm-hmm. And so once I kind of learned the how to take care of my body in a way that not everybody is taking care of their body, um, mm-hmm. because my body with an autoimmune functions very differently, mm-hmm. um, I began to see drastic changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of healing <clears throat> internally, healing my gut, um, fueling my body in a different way. Um, but then that also led to... Again, just a lot of wrestling between me and the Lord of same, same lesson I always learn, but that's fixed, but it's not checked off the list. But this is now going to be a lifelong thing that I have to work through. Um, And he has done a lot of sanctification in my life and transformation in my heart of Mm -hmm. um, healing my body is not healing everything else mm. that has gone on in my heart and my life and the circumstances around me. And so it is used as a tool to step up and show up to who he has called me to be and to love. Yeah. Um, but I can't use it as a tangible check on my to-do list to mm-hmm. satisfy this broken broken world, broken body. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, And you have a daily reminder in celiac disease, uh, for those of you that don't know what celiac is, like Leslie said, it's an autoimmune disease, and two of my children have celiac disease. Oh. So um, I know that the good news is you don't have to take medicine for it. Right. Um, the bad news slash good news is that it it will in, until they come up with a cure. There is no cure, but the food is the cure. Yes, the food is the medicine. Um, that is how you heal your gut and prevent all of the nasty side effects and the increased, like seriously increased risk of, you know, um, colon cancer and all sorts of other secondary things that can come along with it is if you eat a certain diet. Yeah. So that's good and bad news, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Um, But like it's daily. It's every single day. It's not like you can just take a pill and forget about it. Mm -mm. You have to make conscious decisions every single day to make sure that you stay healthy. And that, I'm sure, requires you to be very dependent upon the Lord. Yes. 
So, so how did your business grow out of this diagnosis and this new lifestyle? It has been a long time coming mm-hmm. for me to see the Lord working in my heart and my body. A lot of resentment that mm-hmm. I had to work through of I just want to be able to eat what I want to eat and not yeah. worry about it. Um because it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of mental effort yes. um, of constantly forward thinking or being in a situation where I can't have different things or um, <clears throat> whatever that might be. And so after working through that with the Lord, I I found just this freedom and this joy in, wait, I, that stinks, but like I feel good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really feel good. And I have experienced and seen how the Lord has designed and purposed us for fullness and abundance Mm. that He desires. And I think we live in a culture in this world where it's told that it's okay to just get by Mm -hmm. and to just live in maintenance mode and to just like trudge through whatever it is you're going through to make it through the next day. And I, that's not what the Lord intended for us. Right. Um, And so I have found that how I physically fuel my body is what sets me up Mm -hmm. to, to, to step into the calling that the Lord has given me. And if I don't fuel my body well, then I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, because while it does have a lot of internal effects, celiac for me has also caused a lot of anxiety, mm-hmm. um, inflammation in my body, which then causes ex- exhaustion yeah. and just physical pain. And so um, aside from the the major health issues, it's debilitating on a day-to-day basis if right. I don't feel my body well. And so that has in- encouraged me to to encourage other women that how you take care of your body matters. Even if you don't have an autoimmune, um, we are not meant to live exhausted Mm -hmm. and we're not meant to live frustrated and with anxiety and all of these things that are keeping us from fully experiencing the abundance that the Lord has. And I have found firsthand that fueling my body well and taking care of it and how I eat, um, it affects that even if you don't have an autoimmune. And so my business has kind of stemmed from that of giving people the resources and the encouragement mm-hmm. um, and then also just pointing them back to truth mm-hmm. and the Bible and that to see who the Lord is and and what He desires of us mm-hmm. and that He is ultimately our satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. So tell me a little bit about what you started out as a, as a blog. And, yes. the na- and the name of your business is Simply Sweet Wellness. Simply Sweet Wellness. And we're going to do all the links and all the things in the notes so you can find Leslie online. But um, just kind of wh- where are you now with that? Like where did it start and where are you now with your business? So it started just as a little bit of an outlet um, with I have this desire and this message, but I don't really know where I'm going to go with it. And so mm-hmm. it kind of started with... Um, I would cook for other people mm. um, who needed help making healthier meals or right. options or things like that. And then it kind of morphed into a little bit more of a food blog style. And I just realized that that was not for me in this season. And I am much more, have much more of a capacity right now to 
to share the truth and the encouragement behind why it matters that we take care of our body and practical ways to do mm-hmm. that. Um, I love cooking and I love baking. Um, this season of life is a lot with three young kids. Yeah. And, but it's also not an excuse to not to take care of myself mm-hmm. so that I can show up for who they are. And I want other people to have that opportunity. And so I do share different recipes and and things like that mm-hmm. um, that are realistic and sustainable mm-hmm. and um, and fast and fast. I and love that minimal you do ingredients. that. I think that was was that yesterday you posted. You were like, you have no excuse. You you can make dinner in yes. fifteen yeah. minutes, and yes. you showed. You know, like the little you throw the green beans in the bag and mm-hmm. just microwave them, and then you use the instant rice, and then you use the meatballs or whatever yes. those yeah. chicken meatballs from Costco. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that that. It shamed me into making no, dinner. No. no, not really. But I mean, I was like, she's totally right. Yeah. It's really, and I don't have three little kids at home. So yeah. there's so many ways that we can we can make better choices. Yeah. So that's really good. So would you say that you're, at this point, you're probably more educating is what you're doing? Yeah, it's a mix of um, educating, helping people see that it is, like you just said, it's doable mm-hmm. and it's realistic, um, but it, Diet culture is screaming at us that right. it has to be done in a three-step process, 30-day, take this pill, and you're yeah. going to accomplish it. But that is not a sustainable lifestyle. And ultimately, if we want to take best care of our body, mm-hmm. um, it has to be something that is sustainable. Yeah. And and so it's showing people, educating them why it matters, why it's important, and then pointing them back to the truth because ultimately – Again, diet culture is telling us that this is what's going to satisfy. And it is important to take care of your body. It's okay to want to lose weight. It's okay to set goals and work towards them. But mm-hmm. ultimately, we have to understand that that is fleeting mm-hmm. and that is not going to satisfy, but that Christ is our reward and He is our satisfaction. And we can chase Him and use our bodies for His good and for His glory. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't take care of them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. We're going to make sure we connect everybody with you um, out there on the interwebs. Just check the show notes for links. So we're going to go into a time of talking about hospitality for a little bit. Um, what's what's some practical ways that you show hospitality in your homemaking? <laughs> I feed people. <laughs> Food is your Food. love language. Yes. 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 Um, there is... A, this weird satisfaction and joy in people understanding that healthy cooking and gluten-free, dairy-free baking does not have to taste bad. Mm-hmm. And I have found a lot of it is a, it is an outlet for me. Mm-hmm. So when seasons are stressful, when life is crazy, you can find me in the kitchen because um, it's just it's an easy outlet. Yeah. And now that there, I have these restrictions, and one of my daughters does too. It's fun to be able to create things mm-hmm. that um, taste good, but also are fueling our body well. Yeah. What are some of your favorite resources? Like maybe some of your favorite things that you your go to. Like when you go to Costco, oh, gosh. <laughs> what's your what are some things that you always have in your pantry? How about that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I always have. Good sources of protein mm-hmm. in my fridge and my freezer. So uh, ground turkey, chicken, um, breakfast sausages or bacon, things like that. Mm-hmm. I always have frozen protein, pre-made 
but still with like good ingredients, which is possible to find. Yeah. I get a lot of those from Costco. So, so like those meatballs, so like the, like the Adele's chicken, chicken meatball. meatballs yeah. and Adele's chicken sausage. sausage. And mm-hmm. um, they had Costco has like these chicken and kale burgers. Hmm. Um, a lot of times I'll get rotisserie chickens or just cook a bunch of chicken and cut it up and then put it in the freezer, make some taco meat and keep yeah. it in the freezer. Um, pre-made chicken marinated mm-hmm. keep it in the freezer point of that is i always like to have plenty of protein on hand because you can use it to mix and match yeah with anything and then we always have lots of fresh fruit and veggies that can just be sauteed cooked yeah. eaten with hummus ranch any of that um and then in my pantry um you know, we like some of the chickpea pasta mm-hmm. and like rolled oats. I always have enough ingredients to bake muffins or mm-hmm. a cake. Like that is something that I um, always have on hand. Yep. We're having a stressful day and I just want to bake some cookies. Yeah. It's needed. Since we're talking about hospitality, um, we 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 show hospitality to the people inside of our four walls and then our neighbors and then it just kind of branches out from there so how do you think that homemaking helps build community i think something i have learned and seen is how it it truly just breaks down walls Mm -hmm. and invites people in to just the real life um, the the messy, the unscheduled, the not put together. I think if you're willing to allow homemaking to become something that you invite people into, mm. then you're inviting a much richer and deeper relationship with mm-hmm. that person. And I, I, my closest people to me are the ones that um, doing life together means seeing each other's laundry yeah, <laughs> and being willing to step into the messy mm-hmm. um, and and having hard and good conversations amongst that. Yeah. Um, and so I think part of it too is being available. You know, one of the, one of the great things about homemaking um, as being your main thing that you're doing. I know you're doing a few things outside of the home, but for primarily you're at home. Right. <clears throat> and that allows you some freedom to be available to have the time to enter into those hard places with people. Um, right. Because, you know, if you are working a full-time job outside of the home, it's pretty much all you can do to work your job, come home, take care of the house, make sure you're having quality time with your kids and your husband. It's harder, I think, sometimes to enter into that with with other people right? Um, when you have all these other demands on your time. So it is one of the benefits, personally, that's that I believe in homemaking. Yeah. No, I agree for sure. Yeah. All right. We're going to do some rapid fire questions. All right. Okay. Ready? What is your biggest homemaking fail? Laundry. <laughs> <laughs> just, just laundry. That's just it. Just laundry. <laughs> um. Yeah, probably that. One time I was baking muffins with the girls, and then we had to go somewhere, and we got to where we were going, and I remembered I never took them out of the oven. Oh, no. So then I had to pack everybody up to go back home. Oh, my <laughs> Which, gosh. praise the Lord, I remembered that I did not take them out of the oven. Yeah. But it was a moment of like, oh, oh, my goodness. Like, we started this task, and then we ne- we never actually finished it. <laughs> 
So thankfully that could have been a much bigger fail, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. How about a recent homemaking win? I think lately a win would be just the rhythms that we're creating in our home. <clears throat> I'm, I've really been trying to personally be intentional about prioritizing just different daily rhythms mm-hmm. um, that set us up for success, that keep peace in our home, yeah. um, that keep us moving at a slower pace amongst the busyness. Mm-hmm. And that has, it's felt like a big win because the temperament and just the overall peace and comfort in our home has, I've seen the benefit through that. So That's great. Yeah. Rhythms are important. Um, they're important to everybody, but especially to little children. Yeah. How about your favorite homemaking product or resource, something that you're really loving right now? could be anything. I mean, I really love my coffee maker. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, I like coffee. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have a lot more energy now when I fuel my body well. I will say that, but I still do love like an afternoon cup of coffee to get, you know, so what's your all of us through? What kind of coffee maker is we it? We have all of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we have, have like the twelve cup coffee maker that we have the single one. Within that, we have the Nespresso, so I uh-huh. can make myself like a latte. I do that. We have one of those, and that's my treat in the afternoon. Yes, yes. is I do a double mm-hmm. long shot Nespresso. Yep. So I have to use two pods, but it's still cheaper than going to Starbucks. Did you know? You can use one pot twice. Really? Yeah. Does, but is it still strong? Yeah, I do it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try it. It is. Because I put milk in it. So I make my own little, you know, milk latte. It's wonderful. I love it so much. I look forward to it every day. Yeah. Now, I don't know that I do the long shot. I think I may do this. I don't know what size you do. So the long shot, I don't know how many ounces it is, but it will it will f- completely fill up. If you have like an espresso size cup, mm-hmm. it will fill that to the top. Yeah. However many ounces that is. It's probably like four ounces maybe yeah. instead of two. Okay. Well, I'm you'll thinking. have to try it and see. Okay. I I use one pod twice and it obviously doubles my usage. Yeah. And it lasts just as long. Or, I mean, it tastes just as strong, but the my Nespresso pod things, which tend to be expensive. They are. They last are. twice Do you long. have the little bitty pods or do you mm-hmm. have the bigger? Because there's a newer version of Nespresso. It's really fancy and the pods are... They're bigger. Right. No, I have the little one. Yeah, that's what I have too. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to try it. Yes, you should. Okay, cool. Do you do like any other kind of coffee pour overs or anything? So we have the French press and then we also mm-hmm. have the pour over, which is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> is not kidding, people. <laughs> she has all the options. Listen, coffee is, it is priority, you know, when you're young with, with kids. I know. And as great as it is, like if it's still so fun to just like... Get it from somewhere else. It's just, it yeah. is a, it's, there's just something very comforting about a good cup of coffee. And I think it stems from it. It's usually enjoyed with people and in community. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just very. What's your homey. favorite? What is your favorite way to drink? Like, what's your go to latte? Um, if I am going to be like fancy, mm-hmm. I do love a good, um, honey lavender. Honey lavender. Yes. Really? With almond milk. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Or a honey, there's a place in Houston that I really like. Um, do you make honey, honey lavender? Cinnamon. Can you do that at home or is that something uh-huh. you would get? Both. So, 
Well, how do you do that? So you can get a lavender syrup. Oh, yeah. Okay. The the brand that of all the coffee syrups that the coffee shops have, they have a lavender, and mm. you can do that and with your little frother, mix in some some honey and a little splash of lavender. Nice. That's good. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Let's talk about. Oh wait, I have another question. What's your favorite homemaking hack or tip that you would like to share? Um, I really love meal prepping and grocery shopping on Thursday or Friday. All right. Um, I don't know if that's considered a hack or a tip, but for the longest time I was doing it on Sunday and Monday and it felt very overwhelming to prep for the week and to grocery shop and to meal prep at all the same time. Yeah. Um, And then I found myself at the grocery store again Thursdays. Because all the food was gone by Thursday. Exactly. (laughs) So now I get to go on Thursday or Friday, and then we have our best meals over the weekend. Over the weekend, when everybody's home. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Um, And so, and then it also frees me up to any time during the weekend when I have a chunk of time. I can food prep, cut up veggies, mix up our protein or whatever for the week, Mm -hmm. make lunches, and I'm not scrambling to get it all done on Sunday afternoon. That's really smart. That's a great tip. Yeah, it's it's been a game changer for me. Awesome. And then if I need to run to the store on Wednesday or Tuesday to grab like one or two things, I will. But So you shop on Thursday mm-hmm. and you prep on Friday? Is that what you said? So I shop on either Thursday or either Friday. Either or. It okay. kind of depends on the week. And then... You prep the same day? It depends. Okay. Um, I'll Sometimes I do like to prep for the weekend on Friday, but mm-hmm. I usually find myself like prepping for the week, mm-hmm. Saturday or Sunday. Are you more of a prep, like you prep ingredients so that you can quickly build things? Yes. Okay. So I am a very mix and match kind of mm-hmm. cooker. Um, not as much as big recipes, Okay. but I like to just have a lot of fruit cut, a lot of vegetables cut. Um, our protein, yeah, ready to go, um, and then we have our pastas and our grains and all mm-hmm. of the other things in the pantry, mm-hmm. and that just allows me to kind of grab a few different things as I need them. That's really smart. Um, I don't like leftovers, and so I don't like meal um, prepping because then I feel like it's just okay eating food that was made three days ago. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with that, but <laughs> I get it. Some people, my husband really doesn't prefer leftovers. Um, yeah. He'll tolerate them. But usually what I'll do is I'll sort of remake. Mm-hmm. I'll turn the leftover into something else. Yes. Like I'll kind of change it up a little bit so it doesn't feel like we're eating the same thing. Yeah. But sometimes we just eat leftovers <laughs> and that's okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the art of home. How do you see homemaking as an art? I think it brings out the creative in each person and each family. And yeah. even if you wouldn't necessarily consider yourself creative, I think just naturally taking care of your home, stewarding the home um, in whatever style is comfortable to mm-hmm. you is bringing out a, a unique creativity that the Lord has given. And no homemaking, parenting, journey looks or is the same. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what's so unique about it and what makes it such a unique art is that it is very different 
mm-hmm. and creative. Mm-hmm. And so when you're invited into somebody else's, I think that's how you really get to see a unique and different side of somebody. And same as inviting people into ours is sure. not trying to be something else, but allowing just our own yeah. Yeah. to show. No, that's great. How do you find beauty? When you're doing the laundry again, and you're washing the dishes again, and you're doing the same things over and over again, how, how do you find beauty in the midst of that? I just have to keep my perspective on, on Jesus, mm-hmm. that He is my reward, um, He is my satisfaction, um, and that I'm not trying to accomplish anything to make myself feel better <laughs> because I won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and when I lay that down at his feet and the weighty undertaking and responsibility that doing the dishes or picking up the toys for the hundredth time mm-hmm. or doing the laundry, while it feels very mundane and overwhelming at times, it is um, a gift. Truly, that yeah. I get to do, and um, I don't always have such a sweet perspective of it, but I am keeping my eyes on the Lord, and that it's it's a calling that yeah. He has called us to. It's an opportunity that He has given me, and um, I want to I want to steward it well with grace, and I want to show my girls the value of taking care of what the Lord has given us, whatever that might be. Right. That that leads into the next question. Why is gratitude important for the homemaker and in the home? And how have you seen a grateful heart enhance your experience or improve your experience? Yeah. I don't think it can happen without gratitude because it is such a, I have to lay down myself daily to take care of my home. Um, it's not about my comfort. It's not about my own desires often. It's about um, giving of my physical self right. and my mental self um, to take care of my home and my people and um, in a way that the, that honors the Lord. Um, and I think I, I was actually listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about how gratitude is – it's essentially a learned skill. Like it's not just something that comes natural. Yeah. And so I think in light of homemaking and stewarding my home is is practicing gratitude. I have to practice mm-hmm. um, gratitude and being grateful for what he has given me. Um, and a lot of that comes back to my story and my health and knowing the value in this home is important and taking care of it is important, yeah. but I can't do it if I don't take care of myself. Um, right, and I'm grateful that the Lord has given me a healthy mind and healthy body, but I have to steward that well in order to gratefully take care of my home. Yeah, no, that's great. How do you think that older women can help your generation of homemakers thrive in their practice in the art of home? What do you need help with? What do you wish they knew? I... I feel like it's easy to forget how noisy this (laughs) season is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then on top of it, the newness for us and this generation is that not only is it literally noisy every single day in our home, but then the world just 
just yeah. throws so much noise at us, mm-hmm. um, whether through opinions or conversations or social media. Mm-hmm. There is just a lot of noise, and it's exhausting. And I think it we don't need any more noise. <laughs> yeah, we don't need anybody else talking at us. Mm. Um, we just need people to hold our baby while you eat, you know, or just, um, or just come into the mess. And I mean, you and I have gotten together before and made sourdough bread, you know, just something that, Mm -hmm. um, allows us to, to feel normal Mm -hmm. and to do, do something, um, but not feel like we're having to then please in another way or, yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think it did. Well, okay. just entering in, I think is is important. That's kind of the point you were making. Just being willing to. I love. I love that you said we don't need anybody else to talk at us. Yeah, maybe you can just end it there. <laughs> <laughs> just end it there. Okay. Well, we'll move on. <laughs> I was trying to think of That's where okay. I was going. With that. We've had a lot of words. What is a word of advice or encouragement that you'd give to a younger homemaker coming behind you? I would. Let them know that when we are truly leaning in and finding our satisfaction and abiding in Christ and His Word, that that is the only time that we can see the the beauty in this season of homemaking. Mm. Um, because if we're looking to the standards of the world or the people around us um, who are constantly frustrated or seeking satisfaction in other things. And we're not going to, we're not going to find it. Um, And this season has a lot of potential for the enemy to step in and tell us that it's not important or it's too exhausting or you don't get enough time to yourself or Mm -hmm. whatever those lies may be. Um, And while all of the hard things are true, we will find the the relief and the satisfaction we need when we abide in the true vine and the true source himself. Um, and then I would also say it is fleeting. All of those encouragements are true, but it's okay that it's hard. <laughs> and I think that's something I've had to come to terms with too is just because I am admitting that this season is really hard – doesn't mean I'm not enjoying it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that I'm not doing it well. Mm-hmm. It means that it's hard. It's hard. And that's okay. And mm-hmm. so when all the people say, well, it's fleeting, or you're going to miss it, you are, and I will, but it's okay to recognize that it's just really hard. <laughs> there there are there are parts that you're not going to miss. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> I, it's okay that I'm not going to miss certain things. And I think there is some guilt and shame in that, mm. um, that often we are told, you don't know how fast this goes. This is fleeting. They only stay little forever. Yes. And so then we feel guilty when- When you don't love every minute really of it. hard and yeah. we don't love it. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Yeah. No, that's a great word of advice. It's really good. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. I did too. Oh man, this conversation was so rich and so good. You know, when I record these interviews, um, I just record them. I store them on my computer and my hard drive, and then I put them away for 
a week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks, and then I come back to them to do the editing. So I'm sort of approaching it with fresh ears. And when I was editing Leslie's episode, I always take notes as I'm editing and I highlight things that I want to make sure that I bring out um, on Instagram, maybe for some of the quote slides that I do. And I found myself having to continually stop the recording so that I could record precisely the quote that Leslie was giving because she just had so much wisdom and so many amazing things to share. I, I was just blown away by her maturity and her perspective with home when it comes to homemaking and what God is teaching her through that. I love that when we were talking about expectations, she said, the Lord has used that, the fact that homemaking is never finished, in a very sanctifying way for me because it's constantly causing me to lay down myself, my expectations, and be okay with living in the messy and the mundane and the incomplete. It's really hard, but it's also good because it just takes it all away from me. And she is just very real about recognizing her failures and her faults and her tendency to want to be a perfectionist. And and she recognizes that God is using the calling and ministry of motherhood and homemaking as a daily reminder to lay down herself and her own plans and, and let him meet her there and do what he wants to do through this work in the home. I also really love the advice that she gave to the younger homemaker, um, that when we're truly leaning in and abiding in Christ and His Word, that is the only time we can see the beauty in this season of homemaking. Otherwise, we're going to miss it because if we're looking to the standards of the world, whether that's on Instagram or HGTV or your neighbor down the street or your sister or whoever, you're not going to find it there. This season has so much potential for the enemy to step in and speak different lies I love that she talked about that. All those hard things are very true, but we find that relief and that satisfaction we need when we abide in the true vine, that is Jesus. And I talked about that at the beginning, that we here at The Art of Home are wanting to help you walk confidently in this calling as homemakers, whether you do that full-time, part-time, nights, weekends, whatever. We understand everybody's situation is different, but whatever you are a maker of the home, right? And we want to make sure that you understand your confidence in that calling does not come from your strength, your skills, or your ability to keep a a happy face on it. Your confidence comes in your Savior. Your confidence comes in Christ, the one who's called you to the work, because He is going to be the one that will equip you for the work. And we need to make sure that we keep that truth always in front of us, because the enemy will try to shoot that down and we'll try to tell you lies that you're not enough and that you're not cut out and that you're not going to be able to do this job well or that it doesn't even really matter. Well, I will tell you it does matter and no, you are not enough. That part is actually true. Only Jesus can supply every need that you have to walk in the calling that he's called you to. So be encouraged today, homemaker. The work you're doing matters. It is valuable. It is eternally important. You are cultivating a place for eternal souls to grow and be nourished and nurtured and to become more like their creator, who they were made to image in this world for their good and for his glory. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I hope you've taken away something that will carry you along and encourage you today. 
Again, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email. You can also send us a voicemail. Just go over to our website. We'll link it down in the show notes below, but it's theartofhomepodcast.com slash contact. That's where you can leave us a typed message or you can leave us a voicemail over there. Make sure that you are subscribed to our free weekly newsletter. That's a place, another place where you can get some regular encouragement in your practice of the art of home. I deliver that to your inbox every Friday morning and you'll just have a little note for me. I usually tell you what I've been up to that week and I'll share some sort of story from my own homemaking journey. Uh, I often share recipes that have been a big part of our family life. I will share with the newsletter audience some sneak previews of what is coming um, in the next few seasons of The Art of Home as well. So that's the place to be in the know is in the newsletter. You can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes below or go to our website, theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe and sign up there. And speaking of future seasons of The Art of Home, today marks the last episode of season six. So we will be on a break for a couple of weeks and then we'll come back for season seven. And we've got some wonderful things planned for season seven. You will be getting some homemaker portraits from all ages and stages. We'll have seasoned newbie and in the trenches homemaker portraits. And we will have a new deep dive series on the subject of words in the home. This is a fascinating conversation that I had with my great friend, Karen Shepard, who was a guest on the Art of Home podcast last year. She was one of the subjects of a homemaker portrait. She's been married for over 50 years and has so much wisdom. She's a writer. She's a blogger. She is a thinker and a reader. She's in my book club. I just really like Karen. And we had so much fun talking about how we use words in the home and how words can affect our practice of the art of home. We talk about books and writing and the words we speak, the importance of word on words on childhood development and relationships. It is just an amazing conversation. I am so excited to bring that series to you next season. So make sure that you tune in in a couple of weeks. We'll be back for all those exciting things. And until next time, keep practicing your art of making a home. Oh,